Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Coming to you live from downtown Detroit, this is Benzinga's Pre-Market Prep with your host, Joel Elkanen. This is a volatile puppy here, isn't it? And Dennis Dick. I've been a penny. I will buy the stock for a penny. With everything you need to start your trading day. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to this Wednesday edition of Benzinga's Pre-Market Prep. Spencer Israel, Joel Conan, Dennis Dick with you this morning. Uh, just just when you think you know what's going to happen, the market says, nah, you don't know anything. We've got Target earnings. Target, has it stopped going up yet? I'm not sure. We're going to talk about that. We've got Lowe's. TJX earnings were just out a few minutes ago, so we'll talk about that as well. Gilead and uh, their partner Galapagos getting the beats this morning on their rheumatoid arthritis drug. We'll talk about that. Uh, Those are the headlines here. There are are more stocks on our radar, but those are the headlines here. J&J making an acquisition this morning as well. Uh, Our guest today is Lawrence Black. He's the founder of the Index Standard. He's basically an, an expert in indexes, the creation of indexes, what makes an index good, and bad. He'll join us at 8.35. Before I throw it to Joel, everyone hit that like button, hit that subscribe button. We love that. And now, Joel, what happened here in the overnight session? Are we at all-time highs yet we, in the future? Yeah, once again, Spencer, uh, a quiet but strong overnight session. Uh, we've made a new all-time high. Well, it basis this September contract, we got to go into 9650. Uh, but the cash has already exceeded that all time high, all time closing high as well. 9375, we'll keep an eye on that. The 9650, then the old psychological $3,400 level. Um, on the downside, pre market low looks good to me, uh, 83 and a quarter. Got to take that out if you see any downside. Uh, crude, that's in the red here by 39 cents. Once again, uh, struggled with the $43 area. Broke through it yesterday. Again, 43 major level of resistance. Uh, gold down 1860. Uh, got back over 2000. Uh, four, uh, $140 rally off the low, peeling back. Maybe we'll just grind at 2000 for a while. Uh, silver leading the charge on the downside, down a little bit over 2% here at 27.49. And uh, Bitcoin loses 12,000 again. Uh, Bitcoin down $135 at 11,900. I guess we got to start with Target here, Dennis. And uh, it's not the same time. It's not often that me, you, and Spencer come up with the same analysis when we see a stock. Well, I mean, the numbers were really good. This was going up no matter what. But I also thought while well, they jammed Walmart, they jammed low or they jammed Home Depot. So they're probably um, giving a little lower bar actually to target now. And that low bar wasn't even necessary because this is one of the best retail reports I've seen in years from a big box store. I mean, this is, you know, maybe better than the Amazon report that we talked about a month ago. These numbers were just incredible. Yeah, I mean, Target said in their release, best quarter for comps that they've ever reported. Uh, Their EPS of $3.38 was basically double the estimate of $1.62. So they they doubled up their earnings per share estimate. Sales, $22.7 versus $20 billion. I mentioned that comps that they called out, 24%. Uh, growth year over year in same store sales. Digital e commerce sales grew 195% year over year. So overall, 24% year over year growth 
in same store sales. Again, that's the measurement of sales from stores that have been open for at least one year. So not new locations, but just mind blowing stuff right here. From the consumer is still very much alive. I mean, we can safely say that. Um, we know that, that, that the big box, obviously there was a little bit of a trade where we're stocking up for the end of the world trade, which, you know, so you're not going to see these numbers probably again for a long, long time. But with that being said, the quarter was absolutely incredible. This company's firing on all cylinders. 148, am I chasing it? I don't chase anything up 12 bucks. I don't think this is going to pull a Walmart, though. I don't think this is going to give it all back. These numbers are just too good. Um, if this pulls back in the lower 140s, I think you're going to have buyers lining up here now. Incredible quarter, incredible company firing on all cylinders, new all-time highs. What's not to like? Gummy bears and rice is what I still have a lot of from my Costco runs. Gummy bears. We got a big bag of rice, too. I don't really know <laughs> what to do with it now. <laughs> I mean, I guess we wait for the next pandemic, right, Joel? Yeah. We went, I bought two of them. And Lisa was mad I bought one, and we fawned through half of one, so yeah. we're doing okay on it. We got a huge bag. We got the but, whole pantry full of, like, stuff that we may never eat, you know, like powdered milk, all in ugh. preparation for the zombie apocalypse, which didn't, didn't, didn't come to fruition. So it's time to now maybe start liquidating that and get what you can for that stuff, Joel. Sell the powdered milk or give it away. To, maybe we'll give it away to some um, – we'll give it away to Goodwill. <laughs> Uh, boy, oh boy. I watched this Target uh, as it was trading and it was like, it went up six bucks and I know yesterday I hopped on the Walmart and I said, hey, sell, sell, sell. But it just paused there. It paused up six, six and a half bucks and it said, uh-uh, I'm not going down now. Those numbers are too good. Yeah. I mean, yep. it's one thing Walmart's numbers were really good. This is, this is nothing short of incredible, these numbers. So I'll just I, say one. I don't care what you look like going in. You yeah. report like this, you're going up. I'll just say one fifty would be my number of the day. Uh, we did sneak over it a few times in the pre market. One fifty, one fifty one, fifty thirty one's the actual high. We backed off a buck and a half off it. Can I be as confident that it's going to be the high of the day? Like you know, is like the Walmart? No, but what I would be very if it doesn't get up to one fifty. You know, in the first half hour, it may roll over. But also, don't get sucked in if it, like, runs to 150, 64 and a half and then comes back down under 150. So that's that's the way I'd be looking I at it. I think 150 is going to be a challenge. There's got to be some size in the book there, too. Again, I don't know my book open here yet, but I'd imagine there's probably some long-term institutional sellers at those big whole numbers like that and probably a few open maybe some open interest on some options as well so i think 150 is a big number for it with that being said stocks at all-time highs i have no reason to short this um other than you know if you think the walmart trade's going to happen but everybody who thinks the walmart trade's going to happen that happened yesterday and i mean this market likes to do exactly what everybody doesn't think so if you came in this thinking okay well target's going to beep us probably just going to pull a walmart you're wrong you're wrong. They didn't just beat. They killed it. And they're not pulling Walmart. They're continuing and they're holding on to the gains. Walmart quickly gave the gains back. This has been trading up for over an hour here now, hour and a half. And, you know, obviously holding on very well. So big difference, big difference. Yeah. Walmart. And all the paper at 39 and 40 and 41, 42, 43, 44, 45, 46, 47. There'll be some, but it's target. Yeah. It's not like Walmart has been up there. I still think you're not going to be 142, 143. I think you're 140, 145, 150. That's the big numbers. The big whole numbers. 150, I think is a big bogey. And obviously we stalled yeah. out there. So that's your number now. 150. If you're long this thing and you want to book the profits, Throw my order out at one forty nine and a half and move on. But I mean, if you're no, if you're long, long term on it, there's no reason this thing couldn't continue to go higher. So I don't want to short it. I'm, this is not the Walmart trade, in my opinion. And then we got Lowe's. Might as well do the uh, other one too. Yeah, well, we're, let's do Lowe's and then go to TJX here because Lowe's uh, was out. Mm -hmm. a couple hours ago now and same story really as home depot strong quarter they beat and they beat on their eps and their sales and comms it was all good from lowe's it's a great quarter too and again home depot maybe sets the bar a little lower because everybody gets in their head okay well home depot beat but the stock went down 
So maybe Lowe's is going to go down no matter what. No, this is the way the market is. Again, punish the short-term crowded trade. And, you know, here we are, we're up for. So, so Home Depot probably helping Lowe's cause. But Lowe's is a good report, too. You knew both these were going to have good reports. It's, you know, they probably, you know, it didn't help them that they went, or, or it didn't help Home Depot one where they were going first. And now you get Lowe's and Target going second. And after the sell-off in those stocks yesterday, sentiment turned a little bit. And it's like, oh, no, they're good. So they're coming and buy them. I don't think Lowe's pulls a Home Depot either just because everybody was expecting it to do it. I think it holds on to the gains. It's at new all-time highs. There's no reason for me to short the stock. Another company that is firing on all cylinders. I mean, Home Depot is too. It's just the sentiment here. It, it, it's different. The, the, the one day, you know, the move on Home Depot changes the short-term sentiment for 24 hours and then allows it to go higher. So Lowe's new all-time highs. I don't short stocks making new all-time highs. Full disclosure, I own Lowe's. Don't ask me my cost basis because I think I did it like three or four years ago, so yeah. I have no idea where it is. I said that, I think, yesterday that you are in that. Yeah. You're so, in all the good ones, Joel. You're, oh, yeah, you've been an yeah. unbelievable investor here in the last little while. Joel's picking a lot of good ones besides his L brands. Well, when you're at all-time highs, I mean, everything looks like a good investment. <laughs> well, it's true and it's not true because we look and you see like these reopening stocks and old tech and anything with a P under 10 is just hated. I mean, oil. You could be in a lot of different stocks and not participating. There is so much not participating, really. There's a lot of stocks that are participating, but there is a pile of stuff that is not participating. I mean, look at Boeing. Here in the last two months, the S&Ps are up from 300 to 330. It's roughly 10%. Boeing in that same time period is down. So, I mean, and the airlines are the same story. They've gone nowhere. Is there a bounce trade? Is the reopening trade going to catch on? I think if you get the positive vaccine news, I think it's possible. But as of right now, this market is only interested in, in companies that are firing on all cylinders. They're not interested in the trash. It will change. There'll be those opportunities again. And maybe that is the opportunity in some of these reopening stocks because they've come down from where they are, were just a week and a half ago. So maybe you look at an AAL at 12 bucks and say, okay, I'll take a flyer and I'll stop myself out at the low which is 1071. We know Jason Rasnick's been in Delta. I mean, it's pulling back here. Gets down, it's, it's a 50% retracement of the recent move from 25 to 31, 27 and a half. It's right Why? Why put yourself through that? I, I don't, but there's a lot of people who want to. So, wh but why? Because it's trade. You know, I, like if you have a point, you can obviously you know, come in on some of these stocks. But I, again, I agree with you. It's easier to buy them when they're going up as opposed to trying to buy and call the bottom when they're going down. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a tough gig, and, you know, the momentum needs to turn. So sometimes it's, it's good you have one day of turn. I mean, did Rocket turn yesterday? We dogged it pretty hard on the show. Yeah, you did. And Kramer had pumped it the night before, and I think, you know, I started giving it back. I was like, look, Kramer can't even pump this. And I think we didn't give Kramer enough credit because I do believe it was still the Kramer rally. It was just a few – um, you know, people who were booking profits quick, and then the, the buyers did reemerge. I mean, Kramer was very blunt. He said, buy this stock. It is too cheap. He rarely says, like, flat out like that. And that's why I think you saw RKT. Well, it's definitely why I saw it up in the pre-market. But then when it's given all back, I was like, oh, look, if Kramer can't pop, this is never going up. Well, and Spinner said I, I spoke too soon. I definitely did because I tweeted that out. And literally, and like an hour after I tweeted that, it started to catch a bit and it never slowed down. So Rocket is interesting now. Again, this is still you know a stock that hasn't been performing here yet. But it's a nice candle yesterday. Had the Kramer pop. Does it hold the Kramer pop? Very important that it does. So, and, and you've only had seven days of trading, so anything can happen here. But, you know, this isn't one of those, it, this is a mortgage company. And yeah, they, you know, they, they're a technology mortgage company, but it's still a mortgage company. It's not some, you know, cloud. It's not something, it's, it's, it's kind of sexy, but at the same time, it's just underperformed. So it makes it tough. So it needs to have a two-day move and, and get some life, and then maybe it becomes more interesting. Okay, uh, let's just go back to LOW here just for one second. Uh, we kind of glossed over that. You hit 163. It, that was up four bucks at that time, and you traded down to 158. Back at 162, I'll just, I'm not going to go out on a, on a limb on this one because I know it's done crazy things. I've seen it down six, seven bucks and end up two bucks on the day. And 
opposite. So I think you might get a shot to sell it here at 163, and you might get a shot to buy this thing at 154 or 155. This I don't think did- so. I'll say all day. I think this holds on. I do not think this pulls a Home Depot, so I'm taking the opposite side of Joel. I think if you get a shot at 158, 159, I think you take that shot there if you really like the stock. Set it I up. I don't think me. it's pulling a Home Depot. I don't think it's going down seven points from where it is. Okay, I don't think it's going down. Set, set me something up. Set, lob me up something on this one, and we'll do a uh, virtual launch. Well, yesterday's low, 157. I would be a buyer there. I, I would be a buyer there, I think. So if we were to pull back, I don't think you're going to get that shot. And that's all, that's all we're trying to set you up all the time, is scenario analysis. If this happens, what do you do? At this point at 162, I do nothing. If this wants to pull back and try to like, you know, people think, oh, it's going to pull. I think what could happen is maybe off the opening tick, people come in and sell and they're like, oh, no, it's going to pull the Home Depot. And then, you know, it turns around and starts to catch the follow through buyers. That's where I like it. I don't want to see it breach yesterday's low, though. But if it did that one. Wow. Yeah, that's interesting. I don't want it. Okay. I, I, I would be a buyer of the pullback, but not if it falls below 157. That would be my stop up point. So if I was to pick this up at like 158, I'd risk myself a buck down to yesterday's low. I'm not chasing up 162. It's simply too far up for me to chase it. I got it. Okay. Uh, no moss. No, no, uh, no lunch bet. Major, it. major news here with Gilead and GLPG. Oh, this broke last night, and I actually was looking and trying to short. It went pretty fast at Gilead. The GLPG had absolutely nothing bid. And I could have hit it like 15 points down, and I didn't have the guts to do that. It obviously hindsight capital 2020 is down 53 points here now, but this news is not good. Yeah. If you ever see the letters uh, CRL in context of the FDA, it's almost always bad news. It means complete response letter. It's what Gilead received from the FDA last night. Essentially what it means is you can't pass go yet. We need more information. Go back get some more data and then come back to us and then we'll talk about approving your drug. But that's what Gilead got for their rheumatoid arthritis drug last night from the FDA, a complete response letter. So Gilead and the company that they're working on this with Galapagos, which is tickers GLPG, Mm -hmm. uh, both down this morning on that. $134 now for GLPG. You look at that low for March 20 at 112. Yep. Yep. That's 20 points down. If you were to get down there, and I don't know what it did pre-market. It did it. Maybe you take a it. shot I... there. I mean, this isn't a full rejection, right, Spencer? So we're not rejecting it. Not they... rejecting. We're saying you can't pass. So this could be one that could eventually still get approved, and then you would see a big pop back. So I kind of like it if you were to get it really on the cheap. Now, it is consolidated here. It looks like on the pre-market show that we're looking at now yes. in the 130s. And remember, the other thing, this is an ADR. So I didn't consider that. So this is already priced in. So this has been trading actively. Where is this based? Galapagos. Uh, the island. Yeah, but what market would that even be on? I, I don't even know where, where is Galapagos. In Europe somewhere? Where the hell is that? I, I think I read a book is. named that. Where, is it, where are the Galapagos Islands? They're, they're off the coast of South America. Is that what you're asking? Is it South America? That's where the wait. What are you? I don't know what you're asking. Uh, where are the Galapagos? Where is this company based? First of all, is it is it based in Galapagos? Because it's called Galapagos. Uh, no, no, I don't believe so. So they, it's not. No, no, the, the 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 island the islands are. I'm looking where it's it's top this is your guys's tangent. This isn't mine. Well, um, we just talk Galapagos. Maybe it's on the Galapagos side. It's not. It's <laughs> in it Ecuador. Oh, Ecuador. Ecuador. All right, then I yeah. I stand corrected. Then it is close to the. Uh... So right. it's already trading actively though, in in that market because it is an ADR and you can see it's a tight spread. So they've kind of already priced where they want to be. I mean, you can still see movement. Obviously, things can keep moving. I, I kind of because they still have the chance to get it approved. I wouldn't just completely throw it out. If I was long it at this point in time, I think I'd hold it. Um, but. I know enough from coming new capital. I think at one twelve, I would come in. Uh, but there you I go. ain't yep. getting at one twelve. Not and today. I, I was right about the author of the book named that. Uh, sleepy. I, I, someone's bringing it in here. I mean, someone. Someone wants. So I don't know if they're short. I don't know if they've been waiting to buy it at one thirty-two forever. Uh, but there's just a bunch of lows in there. Thirty-one seventy-three. Thirty-two fourteen. Thirty-two oh nine. Thirty-two ten. Belgium. Yeah. There's, there's someone there. I don't know if it's the company. I don't know if it's someone's bringing in the short. So, you know, that's your first level 
of support that has to hold. And then, uh, then there's nothing in between that, between that and the 112. So uh, you'll probably get some kind of rally in this. I don't know where it's going to go to, but uh, 132, there's a buyer there. I don't know what he or she's looking at, but that's what the charts are telling us. Yeah, it's in Belgium. You're right, Dennis. All right. And then, yeah, so it actually, like, when you come We're in, leaking you here. I don't know what's going on. We're on It's a crash. Now. It's a crash. We I'm just trying points. to tell you what's going on, Dennis. <laughs> you guys so be like, oh, I just got hit on all these bids. For I got to go. That is long everything. You get so excited when the market goes down. Why is that? Because you're long everything. Do you have any shorts in your long term portfolio? No. No. And you're long all these awesome companies like Tesla and Lowe's and. Whatever the hell else. Peloton. You got Peloton. And you get so excited when the market goes down. Why? Because I want to buy more. <laughs> he, was, he wants to, he's a moron. He wants to put more on. <laughs> All right. Let's look at G, uh, GLD. Uh, boy, oh, boy. We've been, we've been dogging this stock for a while. And it just, those GILD red, has been a dog yeah, for a while. It Deserved. Just yeah. And now it's busted through 168. Folks, put your order in there. If you ever try along in this thing, put your order at 68. Look at all those lows 68, in that area. It's 66. I said your order to sell. Oh, order to sell. Yeah, me confused. I was like, why am I going to buy it at 68? We're going to buy it at 66. Yeah. So he's saying if you, if you were get this on the bounce and you think it's going to bounce back up, sell it at 68. This thing's continuing. Trend not your friend. No. Nope. No, it's not. not. Um, uh, you got huge support, sixty-one to sixty-two, and we've come so far now. I, Why I don't think it's gonna. That? It's not gonna do it today because it's Gilead. But this could continue to leak and give you a shot down there. I mean, at sixty-one, would I throw this back in my long-term portfolio? I think I would. I think I would at sixty-one, and it's completely not a Momo trade. Completely, it's a pure value trade, and value trades suck. <laughs> but this has so much support at 61, I think it would bounce down there the first time. So if it got down to 61, I'd be interested. It's not going to get to 61. Well, not today. Where, where are you pulling not, that? What are you pulling that from? The gym, on the 19, look? Look, at, look at the two-year chart. Look oh, at all look. that support at 61. Yeah, 61, 62. It jumps out and bites you in the nose. 60 to 61, 61, 62. 60, 62 low 60s. Yeah. Yeah, That's where she yeah. wants to go. It ain't going there today, but eventually could get there. We know the room this severe just has not, you know, had any pops from that whatsoever. But you back down there to 61, 62, maybe, maybe this is, you take a shot. I think at 66, I think you're early. It's just, uh, just a stock for the dog. Why? Yep. Mark, mark. 64 is your pre-market low. You did get a nice bounce off it. So just from today's trading, I don't know if you're even going to get a look at 64 today. Um, Gilead, not the only company receiving a complete response letter from the FDA this morning. Biomarin, BMRN, also receiving one for their drug. Holy uh, man, bad drug day. Their gene therapy drug for severe hemophilia A is what their drug is. That's a big hit too. So. What do you do? I don't don't know. I I can't. (laughs) We're horrible. I'm looking at anything in here. I don't know. It could could go anywhere. 90 bucks. Yeah. The bounce at ninety. Did we get down to ninety? Ninety-one fifty, ninety-one seventy-five, twice. I mean, maybe I, I. If I was short, that's where I'd want to cover it. If I was long, I don't know what I'd do with it. Uh, no either. So these stocks, when they get moving out, of, when they get slammed like this, they just typically don't bounce back the next day. That's in, and a lot of people think, oh yeah, it'll come right back because stocks only go up. No. They, they stay, when they're out of favor, these stay out of favor for a while. And I've been burned trying to buy biotech dips after bad drug news and been burned bad. And I've kind of, you know, learned the hard way that I just wait until the dust settles and at least wait until they stop going down. Yep. So give it a few days. Usually like you got a few weeks, to be honest with you, in these drugs before they start to stabilize. Let it stabilize and then maybe, you know, you take a shot. But I'm not going to buy any of these things when they're going straight down on bad news. Let's let them stabilize. And let's, you know, look back at them in a couple of weeks and see if we got anything there. All right. Let's do a beginner question here for Andrea, who's in the chat. And she said, yesterday, uh, U.S. Time, SE gave some very promising news. And it's still about 45% of the people, she says, are looking to short. Uh, short interest. How would you explain that? So I don't, I think 40, 
You don't know how many people are looking to short, but is the short interest forty? Is short interest that high in that, uh, guys? Can you check that for me? Forty five. Do you want to know something crazy? What? This is going to blow your mind. This is one of my best traded stocks of the year. I trade the stock like every day. It just moves around, and it's not really my style, but it's like the stock that just keeps finding buyers and it pulls back a little bit and then you buy it and it just bounces and bounces and bounces. I don't have 45% short interest on this. I only have 10. What do you okay. have, Spencer? Uh, I yeah, actually have less than that, but the, the problem with short interest is you're never really going to get a truly accurate. True. You, you will only get a truly accurate reading on a short interest twice a month because that's when... Yeah. It's FINRA, a it's a moving target, right? And and uh, Finra requires you to report that twice every other week, right? So only, you're only going to get a true accurate reading on the uh, shares outstanding letter sold short twice a month. I love trading this stock, though. This stock is a fun stock to trade. Um, it moves around a lot, so again, you know, you got to be careful with this one. This isn't like a, a stock that moves around a buck, but it's a fun one to trade. It seems to just keep finding buyers. It gets a lot of love. It popped on the earnings here. I, I, I just tell you, there's just buyers in this thing. Every time it pulls back a little bit, there's buyers, there's buyers, there's buyers, there's buyers. And I mean, you can see it over the last you know, six months. This was $35 back in March. It's 146 I don't know where the party ends, but I can tell you there's still buyers even after the report. You see them just coming in. And, you know, there's big size that'll move in on this thing. It's like old school trading almost where the big size comes they in. Show and they show the size? Them up. Sometimes. It's such a weird stock. Is it really one of your best stocks of the year, Dennis? Yeah, you, it is. It's sheets? one of my best stocks of the year that I've traded. Yeah, really? I see. I um, trade this all the time. I had it this morning. I, I buy this one. This is one of those that seems to go up every morning. And I buy it overnight. I've traded it overnight a lot of times. And I had it overnight again this morning. And I sold it. I just sold it this morning around 147. But, you know, it's not something you come in on like 10,000 shares or something, Joel, because it's it's not, you know, super, yeah, super liquid. It. But you know, if you're coming in 500,000 shares, a couple thousand shares on this, you can move it around. A thousand shares, pretty you can get out of this thing. But, you know, Guess, right now it's it's widespread. So you got to work the trade. Do you know do you know who gave us this stock maybe at 25 or 30 bucks? Do you remember no. Spencer? No. Who did? Uh, mm-hmm. We should have them back on the show, though. Uh, I've been trying to get him back on, uh, but he's not in the business anymore. Uh, Mike Olson from oh, Piper Jeffrey. Yeah, yeah, he did. I bet you Spinner remembers that. He probably wrote it down. Mike Olson has some pretty good calls. Yeah. He's had a, what else did he? He called another one, too. I can't remember which stock, but he's been pretty good. You know what he's doing now? He works for the Minnesota Vikings uh, for their virtual football team. Really? He, he, yeah. Yep. That's the, he, he's went right off into something else completely then. from Yeah. Trading. Yeah. I've been trying to get him on the show and he said he's just slammed. He's slammed. But yeah. Bill, Mike, Bill Big D with a point here. He says the stocks as he's up 250%. How can you not make money? Um, from a retail perspective, that's a good question because of, you know, they're primarily long. From a prop trading perspective, it doesn't matter what the stock is up on the year. I trade market neutral. So I have equal longs and equal shorts. So I might be shorting this thing and be very wrong about it. So, but again, I go with the trend as your friend. But, you know, there's this misconception that just because the markets are up, I, I get this from my friends all the time. Oh, the Dow's up 300. You must have had an awesome day. Not necessarily. It doesn't mean anything to me because I trade market neutral. It's how did I trade? you know, with my longs and my shorts and my herbs and doing all sorts of things. And the majority of prop traders, you know, are not going to be, my, my profits correlated with the VIX, like I've said, not with the markets. And that's why, you know, like a lot of people look at the markets and they think, oh, I'm a great trader, but if the markets are going straight up and you're primarily long, of course you're making money. But if you're market neutral all the time, which I am, I mean, I'm short stock right now. Overall, I'm actually just a little bit, but, you know, I'm basically hedged, but I'm, I'm hedged all the time, dollar hedged. So in my prop trading portfolio, people will say, why do you do that? You know, why don't you just buy stocks? I mean, I don't know why. Because I make money when the market goes down. I make money when the market goes up. It doesn't matter to me. I'm making money either way. So um, when the market falls five, six, seven hundred points, I'm probably still making money. I'm not getting my ass handed to me. So that's why I trade market neutral. So in, yeah, hindsight 2020, if you were just, you know, buying stocks last three months and just primarily long, you're killing it. For sure you're killing it. But what, how's it going to go when the market starts going down? Can you, you know, make money? Like, like I said, my best month in the last 10 years was March. My best month was March. 
and I was trading market neutral. And that, I'm not talking about the puts that I had and because I called it. I'm talking that I had, you know, just a lot more volatility. So my prop trading account, that was my best month in 10 years because there's all kinds of inefficiencies. Yep. And inefficiencies. Yep. You know, VIX getting up to 60, 70, 80. Well, if the VIX is at 12 and the VIX is now at 24, I'm typically making twice as much money as I normally am because I'm just extracting inefficiencies. That's why Virtue Financial kills it then. I'm sure Citadel kills it then. They're private. We can't see their profits. Um, but, you know, it's a completely different animal. So there's a big difference between just long biased and obviously trading market neutral and tra- hedge trading, which is something, you know, we, you know, we'll bring Rob Friesen back on sometime too to talk about, you know, these different styles of trading. I talk about it. A lot of our traders at Bright Trading all trade market neutral for the simple reason is that, you know, we don't get slammed on the days the market gets killed. In March, we weren't getting killed. We're making pretty good money. So you're extracting the alpha from your trading strategies for real when you're trading hedged as opposed to just making money because the market's going up. All right. Uh, and just to overall for that stock, uh, there's a big gap in there. I don't know why we got the gold yesterday, still holding that gain. So, you know, if you're playing it real close to the belt, there is a gap to fill here under 140. I see real good support at 130. Really hard to call top on this one. But uh, we sure got a lot out of that question. Thank you, Andrea. And we like we questions. Beginners, anybody here? I know uh, we have people of all different uh, trading experience. Uh, throw in any other question here. No, no, we like no questions. Questions, bad questions are good. Yeah. Okay, more right. earnings. Uh, yeah, it's Joseph Lanier Fish wants more earnings. All right, we're, we're, we're getting there. We're getting there. 831, we're going to have our guest Lawrence Black on in four minutes. Before then, let's just do TJX because we kind of skipped over that one. Oh, uh, for every winner, there must be a loser this morning. Is it still a loser? Oh, it is, it still, is still a loser. It is off the lows of the session, but it is still a loser. TJX was out uh, just a few minutes before we came on the air here. Q2 EPS, an 18-cent loss versus a 10 cent loss estimate sales of 6.7 billion for 6.5 billion. And they had to create a new metric because all their stores were closed or I guess most of the stores were closed. So they have an open only comps metric. This is a comps. That's comps the old stores. new measure trick, Dennis. Yeah, comps and stores that were open. Uh, they expect comps in those open stores uh, this quarter to decrease 10 to, 10 to 20% year over year. Um, Suspended their buyback program. This is not looking that great. You know what, though? It's the kind of stock I would buy the pullback on. It's not Kohl's. TJX was firing on all cylinders before COVID happened. I mean, the stock has been going straight up for years. And, you know, retail, you know, once the stores reopen, people will pile into their TJXs again. Kohl's was the exact opposite. So I think this is a stock that people will buy the pullback on. Joel gave me a good number in the pre-market. He said, get your order out there at 53.50 if you want it. And holy crap, Joel, that's right where it bottomed. So that was a good number. That was when it was going down. It was like 54.5 when you said that. And you're like, 53.5 is the number. It bounced right off that. So I'll give you that number again that Joel Alconin said was 53.5. This is the kind of stock I would buy the pullback on. Obviously, it's hard to buy it on day one. Maybe I'll wait till the dust settles. But this would not surprise me if this stock bounced back. So I like the TJX pullback. I'd be a buyer. Okay, yeah, you gave uh, gave the analysis on that one. So I, the only thing I'll give you is uh, the the rebound off that low. I mean, those these stores are awful messy for me. Um, and very they're hard. busy though. You I know why they're know messy? Because they're the busy. Last time I went to TJ Maxx, I can't remember the last time I bought any clothes. I, I've been in TJ. I don't go anywhere, but TJ Maxx, good deals in wait, there. Wait, get some, I, wait, I get like brand names for like a third of the price. How I can go wrong. Last year's model. That was my question: Is TJX is that considered a discount? For like, sure. Okay. And a TJX, Burlington, these were all the stocks that were firing on all cylinders before COVID hit. And when, that's what you want to look at. You want to look, you don't want to be buying stocks that, that sucked before COVID. You want to be buying stocks that got hit because of COVID. And then we come out of COVID and, you know, trends will probably resume to where they were. I mean, there is people that like to go to these stores. They're busy. Burlington, TJX. Raw stores, the big discount retailers were all firing on all cylinders. And, you know, they've been hit and they've been hit hard. Um, raw stores hit hard too. There's that, though, if I'm going to buy a retail stock, and I don't know, I don't have hardly any retail stocks, but if I was going to buy one, it would be a TJX or a Raw stores or maybe even a Burlington. Um, but I like the TJX pullback. I think this is a stock that institutional money managers 
would maybe buy on the pullback. No institutional money wants Kohl's. So that's why Kohl's continues to go down. It gets, you know, it goes down 20%. It gets downgraded again today, you know, Gordon Haskett. And it's going down more. I mean, this is a stock that's firing on no cylinders versus TJX, which had was firing on all cylinders. Obviously, COVID, you know, to, and when you have to close stores, it's a big deal. But these stores are reopening. And we might eventually reemerge. And if you think we are going to emerge from the virus, I, I want to own a TJX over a Kohl's. All right. I now want to bring on our guest, a new guest today, Lawrence Black. He is the founder of the Index Standard. Before that, he worked at uh, Barclays. He is also an index advisor to uh, Professor Robert J. Schiller, who knows a thing or two about uh, economics. Lawrence, uh, thanks for coming on today. Good morning. Hey, good morning, gentlemen. It's great to join you. Uh, so I wanted well, you do. You're in the business of indexes. That's what you study. That's that's what you do. Indexes and benchmarks. So uh, before we, we get into the nitty gritty, can you just tell us what makes an index or a benchmark like good, and what and what are some red flags to look for in in, in indexes? Because all this money, trillions of dollars, is tied to indexes. Sure, Joel. You know, I think that, that that's a great question. And that's exactly why I founded my company, the Index Standard. Because, you know, now, nowadays there are actually more than 3 million indices. There's thousands of ETFs. And um, with this choice that investors have, you really need to understand what you're buying. So, for example, you know, what makes a good index? And we actually have ratings and forecasts on our website. An, an index that needs to be, it needs to be diverse. Um, it needs not to have overexposures. You know, if it's got any factors, it needs to have thoughtful factors that work. You know, I'll give you an example. Like there's a, an ETF that's got $21 billion and it's based on the Dow Jones, right? That's an index that's got just 30 stocks. And, um, you know, it's kept pace with the S&P thanks to Apple. And once Apple does its stock split, it's going to have a big tracking error to the S&P. It's going to lower its, um, its weight to technology. And, you know, would you want uh, an index that's weighted by price? So everyone talks about the, the Dow Jones Industrial Average, but it's not a great index. And that kind of brings us to, uh, you know, we talk a lot about the QQQ, the, the NASDAQ 100 against the S&P 500. NASDAQ 100, obviously the stronger performer uh, of late. Um, why, why is that? Because it, it trades like a tech, a tech index, right? But it's got a lot of non-tech in there. It's got like Monster and Pepsi and stuff. So can you explain that? Yeah, sure. So, you know, over the last couple of years, it was pretty diverse, but as we've seen all the tech companies that they've done so well, right, they've just got such a huge weight. And now you think um, the, the technology has got about a 45% weight, communications has got about uh, 20%. So with the NASDAQ, it's got 60% now is really towards uh, heavy tech names, right? So, um, you know, and I think also uh, stocks are priced for perfection right now, right? Some of the PEs are very high. Um, and in actual fact, I was looking at the NASDAQ, you know, about 55, 56% of the, of the top 10 names, or they, they account for all that weight. And also then I went and looked at what is the PE of just the, the, the top 10 stocks, weighted PE, and it's about 105, right? So the NASDAQ has got an overall PE of about 30. So it's very, um, very, very expensive, those top 10 names. And, you know, Tesla's got a PE of 1,000. If you take out Tesla's PE, the, the top 10 names, still got a PE of 50. So I think it's, you know, it's very, it's, it's, it's expensive. So, you know, you have to almost be in equities nowadays. Rates are so low. You, you just can't be in, in almost fixed income. So if you want to think about sort of tech names, I would think about equal weighted um, products. You know, there's a, the QQEW is an equal weighted NASDAQ. That's a, just a much more sensible way to get some tech exposure, but you're keeping yourself uh, diversified. So that's actually a good segue to my next question. Uh, why does it seem like equal weight tends to outperform uh, cap weighted, right? Uh, the RSP against the SPY, I see yeah. it in other indexes as well. Why does that happen? That's a great question. Well, you know, historically, what you've seen is you've kind of seen the small caps have normally done very well. And the reason that small caps have normally do well is you should, you, you should expect a higher return because you're taking on higher risk. And you guys were talking about some biotech stocks earlier. That's an example, classic example, right? Higher risk. So you need higher compensation. 
and normally in the, in the past decades, small cap stocks have done well. However, you know, the last couple of years, we've had a really unusual time when, when the, the mega stocks have actually got even bigger. So, you know, actually going to an equal weighted product like RSP, which is the S&P 500 with equally weighted sectors, or EQL, which is equally weights all the sectors, you know, it just makes sense, right? Some of these, the, these tech valuations are getting a little bit uh, frothy. So I think you want to kind of just diversify out and equal weighted products are simple and, they're like the, the, and they can be very effective. So would you say like one is better than the other? Like, would you prefer to follow the equal weight index over the cap weighted index? Yeah, I would. Um, you know, I, in the usual time, the cap weighted index has done pretty well, but now, right, like you think of the S&P, it's 26% of that is just the, just the FANG names. And they have done well, they could run a bit further, but I would kind of like to just diversify and buy some of those, those names or the sectors that, that have been beaten up. So I, you know, I would go the EQL, right? It's equally weighted sectors. And right now, you know, I actually think industrials are pretty cheap. It's got some names that have been performing well, but then it's got a couple of beaten up names like, uh, you, you know, Boeing, it may come back. It's, but it, it, the industrial's also got essential services, waste management, some, you know, uh, pr producing goods. So, you know, I think just going equally weighted sectors gives you nice diversification and gets you um, a little bit away from some of those tech valuations. Lawrence Dennis Dick here. Do you think there's too many indexes? And I can tell you, you know, there's way too many ETFs, but, you know, obviously the ETFs track the indexes. Well, when do we get to a point, and I don't know if you want to comment on the ETFs themselves, but when do we get to a point where there's just too much going on? Like, I mean, there's, you know, it's so many ETFs out there tracking this, tracking that. And, you know, everybody's coming up with a different index and a better way to do it. And we got even Kramer coming up with a COVID index. I mean, there's so many different indexes here. How is the newer trader supposed to, you know, uh, grasp all this? Because, there, you know, even to understand where the market is when you're tracking with 100 different indexes. You know, Dennis, you're exactly right, right? In fact, there's more than 3 million indices and everything has been broken up into these little segments, some of it you mentioned. You know, I think we're probably going to see that innovation carry on, but I think you're right. There's just too many indices and it's becoming too hard for investors to really understand what should I buy? You know, and that's almost one of the reasons why I founded the Index Standard, because it's become so, so difficult to understand what you're buying. And now something else is really interesting has happened. In the past, you know, fees were very high and the, the, the fee really made the difference to your returns. But now that fees have come down, it's actually the index that's going to drive your returns. So you really need to understand what you're buying. And I'll give you an example. You know, sometimes people say, I want to buy a dividend uh, mutual fund or ETF. So you type in dividends and you just buy the first one. But in actual fact, some of our research, we looked and what we found that, that dividend methodologies where they, where they have a screen to ensure that the company can pay that dividend, they can afford to pay it, versus just looking at historical dividends. Historical dividends can sometimes be a distress sign. And there was a 10% difference in dividend ETFs that track sustainability versus just looking at historical yield. So that's a big difference. So that goes to show why you've got to be thoughtful about the type of ETF and the type of index that, that you buy. We're on the line with Lawrence Black of the Index Standards joining us here on the Pre-Market Prep Show. Uh, Lawrence, I got a tough question for you. Are, are you ready for it? I'll, tell, I'll do my best, Joel. Okay. All right. Uh, Dennis and I have been following the top components in the S&P 500 index forever since yeah. the early 2000s when ExxonMobil and GE and I don't even know who else was up there, your top components. Now your top five components are all tech stocks, Microsoft, Apple, Amazon, Google, and Facebook. They come close to 25% of the index. Let's look out five years from now. Okay. Is like, is JP Morgan even going to be in there, Berkshire Hathaway, or is it just going to be all 10 tech stocks? Man, that Joel, that's a tough question. <laughs> um, we all want to know the answer to that. Historically, listen, you've seen this rotation and leadership. 
Um, you know, if I had to put a kind of put my uh, my guesstimate hat on, I would say it's probably going to be companies that are tech enabled. So, you know, you're probably going to see companies that are like, like Visa that are payments or Square that are kind of you know tech enabled but critical to to the economy. Um, you know, any company that um, you know, it's just manufacturers things is probably not going to get such a high PE uh, rating and not going to become big. So I would say, you know, versus, you know, um, JP Morgan, it's going to be replaced with payment type companies that are tech enabled built for the future. So I think it's probably going to be tech kind of companies, but different kind of companies. Um, you know, this in the American economy is very innovative. I'm sure we're going to carry on innovating. So I think it's those innovative kind of companies will, uh, will be in the top 10. Uh, Lawrence, uh, I, I think you mentioned Tesla earlier. Any yeah. guesses as to if or when that's going to that's be uh, included in the S&P 500 index? Well, that is a great question because that is what I think a, a lot of people have really been speculating on, right? That it could get added. So a couple of thoughts. So in all the S&P indices, which are very big, very well known, but there's actually a, a little unknown factor that not a lot of people know about is that to be part of the S&P um, 1500 or the 600 or the 500, which we all know and love, you actually have to have four quarters of profitability. So that is the key screen. Well, now, and, and, and now they have that. They just hit that the last time they hit um, results. Exactly right. So then the other interesting thing about the S&P, right, is it's actually discretionary. It's not an index that says, I'm going to take the top 500 stocks and I'll always include right. them. Like Russell. Exactly, Dennis, right? It's actually to be included, you have to be, um, the S&P 500 committee has to select you. Now, listen, they made some mistakes and they've been burnt. I don't know if you guys remember um, way back in the, in the tech bubble, they actually included AOL Time Warner. It was the hot stock and it was like sort of the number five. It was between five and 600 biggest stock. It wasn't in the top 500, but they included it because of all the hype. They wanted to keep up with the NASDAQ and it didn't do so well. So, um, you know, I think it will eventually get there. Um, it's just unfortunate what's become so big is that they, they probably almost have to put it in sometime in the next year would be my, uh, would be my uh, kind of feeling. One more question for you. Uh, always debate about, you know, the Dow versus the S&P, price versus cap weighted. Uh, Dennis, as you can tell, Dennis and I have always been uh, strongly, uh, strongly weighted to the S&P being a better uh, better index, more representative. Uh, what's your take on that? I couldn't agree more. You know, you know, Joel. I, the the Dow Jones Industrial Average is one of my bugbears. I really dislike that index because of, <laughs> because of the price weighting, and I, I just get upset when I see it mentioned because you know it, it gets a lot of attention, but it doesn't really reflect the, the U.S. economy. You should people should always be thinking about the S and P five hundred, right? It's five hundred stocks. It's diverse. You know, I, and I said, I think, as I said earlier, I think it's got some major flaws. And the fact that Apple's going to have this four for one stock split means it's going to have a very low tracking exposure. I would expect it to not perform that well going forward. It's got a lot of these old style names. And listen, I, I hate the price weighting mechanism as well. Much prefer to stick to a large, diverse, you know, uh, stock index. Uh, Get this guy on the show again. <laughs> wait, wait, Lawrence, before we let you go, do you have a favorite index? And if it's an obscure one, uh, a fund that tracks it? Yeah, you know, listen, I think um, for me, I love diversification. And I think everyone in the U.S. stock market has done so well. I think you've got to think now a little bit about diversification, right? The dollar has been strong for a couple of years. We've seen it weaken a little um, so I think you want to be in international exposure. Um, I like um, the MCI um, Global XUS, which is the Acquix, A-C-W-X. And if you're a little bit more of a defensive investor, there's a, a product called the Low Vol in, uh, Index, which takes the lowest stocks and weights them by the Low Vol. It's called EFAV, EFAV, and that's the, the low vol version. And I think that's, it just gives you diversification in case something happens in the US. Listen, Europe's down 6% still. You want to diversify, but think international. 
and all these different factors are confusing. All right, Lawrence Black is the founder of the Index Standard. As I mentioned, he's an index advisor to Professor Robert J. Uh, Schiller. Uh, Lawrence, thank you so much for the, for the time today. Thanks, gents. I really enjoyed it. Nice, nice to see you all. All right. Thanks, Lawrence. All right. Hey, Triple D, uh, just a uh, uh, question snuck in there. And uh, Neil, don't, don't feel like there's dumb kids in the back. Uh, just explain the divergence between weight and cap weighted and trading. Equal weight and cap well, weight and trading. Weight, weight and cap weight. There's no, I don't know what he gets. Yeah. So equal weight and cap weighted? Yeah, so he said. I, I, I so he, equal weighted is like, um, if you want examples, is like the XRT is equal weighted index, where they try to adjust to give every stock in the index an equal weighting. Cap weighted is like the S&P, where it's weighted for all the stocks by market cap. So if you have a bigger market cap, you're more of a weighting in the index. So that's the difference. So equal weighting is just every stock in the index, they try to give it equal representation. Right. And so in theory, what the, in theory, what that means is you're selling your winners and buying your losers. But as, as we've seen- You are, that's a good point. And, and, and Lawrence explained this though, equal weighting does tend to outperform cap weighting uh, because of the diversification. So. I don't know. It's one of those things you kind of, you kind of got to just, you know, see see how it goes. But equal weighting is just uh, making sure that all your all your holdings in a fund or an index are are represented the same way in in the index, and you don't let you know the big four, for example, just overtake it like like yeah. in the S and P five hundred. All right, let's go to some uh, tickers from the chat. This is actually one we had on our list and we didn't get to. Uh, Sorrento S S R N E. You never want to see this. They fired their CFO effective immediately mm. yesterday. Immediately. SRNE. I mean, it's a mess. This topped out. I'm still kind of, you know, I, I love Jim Cramer. Jim Cramer, you know, obviously, you know, he's, he gives his opinion. He has guts. You know, Jim Cramer, love him or hate him. He gives his thoughts and he gives his opinions. He has one wrong. Because he was on the train when this thing was going up. And then last night he says, now that they're doing this, you got to get out. So he has been wrong on this one. But, you know, I give Kramer props. He's right a lot of times as well. So, um, and it's just his influence is so strong that, you know, he can really push price as well. So that's why you really have to, you know, watch him or love him or hate him. You've got to watch him as well. I don't know. I'm not following the story close enough to tell you. Like now they're they're getting, you know, they've got issues, obviously. I obviously topped out. Back on August the 10th, the story got so hot, it's cooled off, bounced right at $10, which is where you would have expected it to bounce, because that's where we got to back in May. If it starts taking out $10 here again, you think you it's go. a slippery slope down to 5 So if I was long this, I would not want to see it below 10 This is just a stock, though, that's you know got a lot of people caught now. So I don't see this bouncing right back. Uh, 10 just looks really interesting to me, and I'll pull it up on the chart. Uh, boom, boom, boom. I got to go to my Zoom in order to do that. You broke out from 10. So that, that's the interesting part. So you're returning to the scene of the crime. I can't really comment on that, you know, what's going on with the CEO and whatnot. Uh, but, it, you know, 10 was the scene of the crime. That's where you broke out from. That's where you it's came back number. a couple of days ago. So you're 89 cents away. You're buying it at 1090, then, you know, you're risking. Mm. If you think this is just immediate bounce, Maybe I buy some here and try and buy some at 10, but that, that's a level. That's, I'll stick with that one. And then I saw some mentions of Workhorse. If you pull up that Workhorse chart from yesterday, Joel and Moving. I saw this on the, after hour, or the, the afternoon show. Uh, John and Jerrion saw some unusual options. He liked it uh, midday yesterday. That's the reason for the pop midday. And then Kramer tweeted like three hours ago that he hinted that he doesn't like it. He said he's going to talk about it later, I guess, on the show. Uh, but he seemed like he didn't like the stock. And it's Jerry, unbelievable how much CNBC. So you're telling me yesterday's big move in workhorse was because John and Jerry saw an option buyer. He said he is a buyer of workhorse. That's what he said. Wow. I mean, I, I like this. This is, this is a binary event here now because we know it's all about that contract, the US, USPS contract. And we don't know when that's going to happen. We've had the CEO <laughs> if, if, if on the show. There is a USPS at this point. Oh, yeah, boy, well, oh, but anyways, that's the wild card. <laughs> that's not they get that contract. <laughs> they get that contract. This thing's going to make new highs. If they get that contract, it could be 30 bucks. It could be higher than $30 if they get that contract. If they don't, it's going to get slammed. 
So it's hard to just say, you know, okay, well, I like the chart. We don't know when this information is going to be going to come out. So you have an event, a pending event that is eventually going to slam the stock or eventually going to rally the stock significantly. From a technical perspective, it's done a lot of work in the 15s. It's holding support. It looks pretty good from a technical perspective. But yep. they come out tomorrow and they don't get that contract, the thing will be at 10 bucks. So it's hard to just keep holding it overnight when you know that eventually that news is going to come out whether they get the contract or not. Um, I, if they get the contract, it's going to be it's going to rip. So it's all about that contract. All right. I mean, there's support. Support is support is support. We'll yeah, even, it looks good yeah, at 15. I mean, but I'll tell you, that support isn't going to matter if they don't get that contract. That's so we don't know if they're going to get it or not. I think on our show, he kind of hinted like he was feeling pretty good about it. Well, was it CEO we had on? Yeah, it was the CEO, and, and of course, he's going to hint that they feel good about it. Yeah, um, but he said we're going to do good even if we don't get the contract, which yeah. is exactly what you have to say. <laughs> I'm going to say we're going to fold up shop if we don't get the contract, but <laughs> it's all about that contract for this and company. Those trucks, are, they're, they're pretty raggedy, man. You see, those you don't like savvy? the look of them? They need, they need some new ones. No, no, they really do. Or, or you're talking about the US, the U.S. Postal Service's current trucks. Yeah. yeah, yeah. The workhorse trucks look cool. I like the workhorse trucks. Yeah. We oh, played no, this no. stock for a long time. Mitch gave it to us. You know, I sold my last just over 20. I kind of want to get back in. I've wanted to get back in. I haven't struck. I probably should, but I know, again, you know, you could get head on it, too. So don't kid yourself. If the news comes out overnight, there's going to be a big move in one way or another. So I, all I would say is if you're in this state, I diversify binary event if you also let's say you made some money trading this thing back and forth i mean i I don't have my options platform up but maybe you take a few shekels and you, I, they're probably jacked you know right like the 18s or something like that or the 20s are probably really jacked up in premium but that's one way to pay an event i don't know if selling puts on this one would you know cash secured puts would be the best strategy because you know, you could be secured down to 12 and it could go down to 10. So uh, I agree. Just quiet consolidation here. I, I give that support. I know you said that low just under 14, but I see too many lows, about 1460, 1475 area. So that's my bogey for workhorse. All right, from I'm, I'm taking some heat for my teledoc and I did say that. I'll acknowledge it. I can, who cares if you're right, you're wrong. I mean, I wish, if I could be right 100% of the time, Who's giving I would heat? have all the money in the world. I would be the richest person in the whole world Who's if I could be heat? right 100% of the time. Um, somebody just said, that. do I acknowledge that I was wrong on teledoc? Oh um, my God. I, I think teledoc stock, no, it's, it's fine. That's cool. Give me heat. Give me heat. Um, it's okay. I'm not going to be right 100% of the time. And sure, uh, I will say, that when I said Teladoc was was done, it wasn't at $185. It was in the 200s. But it's bounced back nicely. We talked about, I believe, it was RBC that upgraded it. Um, and if I was shorted, I would have covered it at that point because that RBC upgrade, you know, we talked about that day and say this could get kickstarted for a couple of days. It has. Kramer has, has hinted that he's also going to do a piece on Teladoc. He said the thing's too cheap and buy it. So you have Kramer pumping this thing too. So you got two pumps going on right now: the RBC pump credit and the Swiss. Kramer pump. Credit Suisse, Credit Suisse. Oh, oh, it's Credit Suisse. Sorry, yeah. but you have Kramer and Credit Suisse both pumping this, and it's moving up. I would be a seller in this pump. I think you're going to get another pump though, because Kramer said last night on Mad Money that he's going to do a piece on Teladoc LVGO. So he's going to come on and say bye. He said that last night, so I don't want to short it yet. Um, I would wait until he does that piece, and then I would probably short it. So we'll see what that piece is all about. But he said it last night. He says, the stock's too cheap. I'm going to do a piece of Teladoc and LVGO. And you see what he can do. I mean, last night, there's nobody. There's, I, I would, I'm going to go as far to say that there's very few analysts that are as influential as Jim Cramer right now. He has watched. It's a retail-driven market. Look what he did to GRWG. Um, two days in a row, and this is a new one for Cramer even. So he has a CEO on yesterday, or two days ago, two nights ago. Stock pops. And then it comes back in. He comes on and does a segment on it the next day, which is last night, and pumps it again. So two days in a row, pumps it. Pump, pump, pump. 1959 is my bogey here. This is a double pump from Jim Cramer. I'd be a seller. And again, like it's not, it's like, it's not his fault that he's so influential, right? Like he can't, it's not his fault. He no. can't control it. But, but you it, have to respect it. When he says, and a stock's in the gutter like Teladoc, and he comes out and says, buy it, it's too cheap. 
it will move the price. Last night he said it with Lavongo, which is obviously getting taken over by Teladoc. So those two are tied together. And he said, the stock is too cheap. I want you to buy it. And I says, I'm going to do a piece on it. So it's not surprising, you know, and Teladoc is, I don't know if there's something else going on because it's actually back in the red, but it popped back up when he said that. But he said he's going to do a piece. So when he does a piece, it's going to pop on the piece. I don't know when. He didn't say when he's going to do it. And maybe he forgets about it. Maybe he never does it. But that's what he said last night. So you've got to respect, you know, the big, you know, when they've got that much influence, you know, and there's 400 or 500,000 people watching it, and, you know, half of them are traders, that they're going to move price. And we see it all the time. Like GRWG was a great example. I mean, it was trading at like 1760 last night. And he came on with a surprise segment on it again. He says, I rarely do this. But he liked the interview so much that he did another bullish segment on it back to back. So he's really, really pumping the tires. All I'm going to say is Jim LaCramer, I feel like a little late to the party on this GRWG. Four days ago it was nine bucks. Now it's 20. Now we're buying it. Chasing. I don't like to chase. So I, I'm, I'd be a seller. If I had this, I'd be selling into the double Jim Cramer pump. Uh, I would say this thing's, this has got to clear 20. I mean, that was the high back during pot mania, right? 20 right on the nose. Is that where we got to? So, yeah, 20, you're in breakout land. I just don't like to see when it has a monthly like this in January of 2018, you're replicating that candle. You're either going to get this thing to get over 20, hold 20, go to 30, go to 40, go to 50, or you're going to give something back. I don't know if you're quite going to do that with the velocity that you did in this move, uh, but interesting. That needs to clear 20. Uh, for Teladocs, I mean, if you were playing this for a bounce off the low, you got your target. Uh, you got your mid- bounce. Yeah, you got your bounce here. And I'm looking at yesterday's high, 1861, and then I see a high at 1975. This is called 220. You know, you clear 220 in this thing and hold it for a day or two on a close. Yeah, maybe you go back up and It's going to get another time. pop, though, if Kramer covers it. Okay. So that's a consideration. I think it topped out. I'm still sticking with the call. I, I'm, this isn't like a two-day. I think it topped out. I think Teladoc 2453 is the top. I think it topped out. I think this is the bounce to sell. That's my opinion. So am that's I wrong right. right now? Sure. I think I said it was 210. It went down about 108. I think I re- when I originally said Teladoc, I, I said it after the big red candle, Joel. So if we go rewind the tape, I said after 239. And I'm wrong. I'm wrong lots of times. But, you know, I'm going to say when I'm not wrong, too. I mean, I said this on the second day. So I would have said it on Oops, August the 6th when it was 209. So it's 216. So I'm seven points underwater from when I said sell it. But I don't like it. It went down to 181. And I also said when I got the upgrade, I said this could kickstart it for a couple of days. So I think I've called the path pretty well on Teladoc. I'll admit when I'm wrong. Um, and uh, yeah, it's come all the way back. I, I think the story is still over for Teladoc. Real Sorry. quick, just I just want to go over uh, Target real quick here, uh, just before we uh, wrap up the show. Uh, I, of course, I don't hit enough symbols here. I don't know if you're going to get another look at that 150, Dennis. I mean, it's. I think the sellers are stacking up here. I think... First time up, yeah, this is it. If it gets over 150, holds 150, then boom, let's keep going. 151, 152, 153. If it can't clear that 150 in the first, you know, 15 minute bracket, give yourself some time. I think you might see a little bit of a pullback, but 150 is key. Yeah, we talked about that earlier. Lowe's, man, I'm so tempted to do something with you on this one, but you like you're at 157, so. Will you go give me three to one lunches that it touches 157 today? No, I'm bullish at. I said if it pulls back to 158, I'd be a buyer. I would sell and stop myself out at 157. Okay, so no bad. Just... I mean, it's so confusing. You say when we say a level and we say you know like 157. I'm not saying it's going to 157. I, I said I'd be a buyer if it did that. It's like scenario analysis. That's all we can do okay. is give scenario analysis. I'm actually bullish stock. So, yeah, no, I, I'm not going to bet on a bearish side. That's opposite to what I think. I'm just not chasing it up for a buy. I think like you're going to get a shot. At, how about I think if you put order out at 158, you're going to get it. How's that? I, I don't think I'm going to get it. I, I mean, you want me to throw the order? I would throw 158.01 because other people <laughs> want throw <laughs> 158. Throw it out there right now. See what happens. Okay. If you get hit, this is just straight up. Well, I'm giving up an edge here. Forget it. No, forget it. <laughs> we never have a bet edge. anymore. Joe, we both want the edge too much. It's too tough. <laughs> all right. We're keeping Spencer overtime here. Oh, that's quite a, yeah, a couple more. You want to do another ticker or two? I, I can do it. I'm, I'm light on positions today. 
Um, yeah, so tell us what okay. what Dennis says. We're all going to do the opposite. Okay, go ahead. Dennis. I've been wrong a lot. Sure. I've been writing tickers down from the chat. Any ticker we don't cover during the show, Joel and I will cover in the afternoon show at 340. Uh, Axel asked about Amazon about an hour ago. Oh, so, what I do know- you think? What do you think about this sleeping giant? Ooh, it cleared. It's got the split trade happening, too, that it could split. I don't think Bezos is going to do it, but the market thinks he might. And that's why it's ripping. CMG, we talked about it yesterday. I said CMG is ripping because it went up another 20 points yesterday. I don't want to be sure any of these $1,200 stocks. Everybody thinks they're all going to split. And a couple of them might. It's why NVIDIA's run. It's why, and obviously NVIDIA's going to have earnings tonight, so that's a different story. But I mean, and it did have the pre-earnings run. But I think it's outperformed AMD because of $400 stock. So could Amazon get a, you know, a run? I mean, the stock's firing also. I own Amazon. I'm sticking with Amazon. I think it could go to 4000 So yeah. I'm sticking with it. Do you know, uh, just, to give, um, uh, just to give super credit, uh, you know, we did the end of the year show. And you know who said that Amazon was going to 3000 and is going to be the best performing stock? Mm, who said that? It wasn't Anne Marie. I know. I, I'll give credit to two people. Fari said it a long time ago. He said it was going to be the most valuable stock in the index. Was it Sean? Nope. No, I don't. Actually, know. I think Fari said Google. I, I said Google as well. So we, we, this uh, no, was like two I years think ago. I'm not. Don't don't quote me on it, but I think I think JC. Oh, I, think right. Amazon? I think you're right. I think you're right. I feel like he did see. Yeah. I think. I haven't JC on in a while. We could get JC back. Yep. Okay. That sounds good. All right, Spencer. Way yeah. overtime here. That's Six okay. minutes. So again, all, all to these pay tickers, you a lot of overtime. All these tickers drop in the chat. I've written them down. We'll cover uh, the rest of them as many as we can on the afternoon show. Uh, Joel and I are, are on our YouTube channel, uh, Benzinga.com or YouTube.com slash Benzinga TV at 3.40 p.m. Eastern time every day. Uh, I know for a fact that the majority of our listeners are not subscribed to our channel. YouTube tells me this information. So you should fix that by hitting the subscribe button, hitting the like button, and then more of you will be subscribed. You'll get notified when we go live. Because uh, we don't always, sometimes we go live during the day. There's other things happening. So check out uh, our YouTube channel, subscribe. Or do when we go live during the day? Well, I mean, not not you and me, but, you know, Benzinga, other things. So uh, like cannabis uh, interviews for example so okay. hit that subscribe button hit that like button we appreciate that thanks to our guest lawrence black thanks to all of you in our chats all three of our chats there's the chat on youtube the chat on uh benzinga.com uh slash pre-market dash prep and there's our chat on benzinga pro you can catch a replay of this show uh on our podcast or on youtube and uh please remember all the information from our show is meant to be used as informational purposes and not for investing or trading advice. Yeah, there we go. As BM says in the chat, subscribe, you bums. That's right. <laughs> right. Everyone have a great rest. Maybe I should subscribe. I don't even think I subscribe. Yeah, should I subscribe? Bum. Yeah, do it, you how do I subs- how, how do I do it? Uh, I've never subscribed oh, to a YouTube subs- channel. Big yeah, red I've never subscribed that, to a YouTube channel. Oh, trade. the big red button says subscribe. Yeah. All right. I subscribed. Uh, I just yeah, had to click cool. that. That was Here so easy. So oh, easy. Man. Look, Even, you got another subscriber. I am now. I'm like the nineteen thousand seven hundred and like ten ten subscribers. So easy, okay, Isn't that tough? I've been doing the show for seven years. I never subscribed to my own show. There we go. So easy that Dennis and Caveman can do it. Bye, everyone. <laughs> Dennis and Caveman. If Joel can do it, then it's really easy. Did you subscribe, Joel? Are you subscribed? Yes, I am. Right, I, I, Are you? Well, I, I turn is Lisa off. subscribed? Turn this off, by the way. So Lisa doesn't want to watch YouTube. I turn this off. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.